Welcome back to the Reading and Writing Podcast. My guest today is Hannah Bervotes, author of the new novel, We Had to Remove This Post. Hannah is the author of seven novels in her home country of the Netherlands, and she has also written screenplays, plays, short stories, and essays. Her fiction has been translated into German, French, and Turkish. Hannah, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Sure. Well, if someone listening hasn't yet heard about your novel, we had to remove this post. How would you describe the novel? Okay, so uh, the book is about a group of commercial content moderators that work for a big social media platform that remains remains unnamed. And their job is to decide whether flagged content, so videos, pictures, hate speech, stuff like that, that users like you or me found to be inappropriate. Um, they need to decide if that needs to be removed from the platform according to their ever-changing moderator guidelines or if it gets to stay up. And my main character is Kay Lee, a young woman who needs money and decides to pursue a career as a moderator. And she actually quite likes her job. I mean, she sees the most horrible images, but she's quite good at deciding what needs to be removed. Um, she makes new friends with her colleagues, and she even falls in love with another female co-worker. So things look bright for Kaylee until, I guess, until they don't. And I don't want to spoil sure. um, too much. <laughs> but um, the most important question that this novel asks is, I think, what is normal? What is true? And who gets to decide anyway? Which is uh, very apropos, given our, our current state around the world about truth and not truth. I know, I know. I mean, I started writing this in 2019 and I was diving into stuff like conspiracy theory, stuff like that. And then the pandemic hit and the topic even became more current and it kind of blew my mind, like how these conspiracy theories and stuff like that became so mainstream. So I, I guess it's more current than ever. Well, do you remember the original idea that led you to want to write, we had to remove this post? Yeah, well, I've been interested in the work of commercial content moderators for quite a while now. And I guess that was triggered by this article from in 2018, I believe. It was in a Dutch new Dutch newspaper. And it was about this Dutch content moderator who worked in Berlin for a subcontractor hired by Facebook. As you have to understand, uh, these content moderators are often not hired directly by tech companies. They are sure. hired by call centers or, or companies like that who are being paid by the bigger uh, tech companies. And I guess before reading that, I hadn't quite realized that it was actually people, you know, hundreds of hundreds of often underpaid people from all over the world that reviewed flag content 24-7. And I felt a little naive um, after reading that piece. And the first um, thing that drew me to the article to begin with was the question, so what do these people see all day? And you know, looking back, I think that's kind of a banal, sensational approach to the subject, of course. But it's a frame that is often used uh, by media when the topic is handled. And as I read more, uh, a little more about the subject, my initial question, you know, uh, what do these people see, kind of shifted into the question, 
what does this job do to them? I mean, what does seeing all that extreme content like hate speech, child abuse, pornography, what does that do to people's perception of reality, to their worldview, to their ideas of who they are, who their loved ones are? And there are these about what is right and what is real. And then another thing I'm really interested in, and that resonates in a lot of my work, is community. Uh, the way community works and its social dynamics. And when it comes to this book, I think this is also a novel about belonging, about need to belong, about friendship, and even about love. So I would say it's not just about what makes uh, uh, moderating so horrible. I mean, I, I guess we can all imagine why it's so horrible, but it's also about what makes it bearable. Sure. Well, I know that you've obviously given a lot of thought to social media and how these digital platforms impact so many lives every day. I'm curious, have you given much thought to the future? Are we all going to be living in Facebook's metaverse? <laughs> oh, I have, but you know what? My take on it, I think this whole metaverse, it's not, it's not going to happen. I mean, Facebook needs something new, you know, right. to keep the yeah. investors uh, enthusiastic, but you know, the metaverse, it's creepy. It's a creepy thing. So it needs to be cool in order to be a success. But right. Facebook or, you know, Meta right now is not cool anymore. So I think it, it'll be too creepy or it'll be used in ways we cannot imagine yet right now. So maybe, you know, pornography will be big on it or it's just for meetings or, you know, there'll probably right. be some way we'll use it. But I don't think we'll use it like you and me just to see each other and have fun or something like that. No, 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 yeah. no. Yeah. I don't think it's going to be that big. So so what was your initial writing journey that led you to writing and getting your first stories and your first novel published? Oh, so let me see. So this is my eighth novel. I wrote seven novels before. Um, before that, I studied television studies. So I studied fiction. And after that, I had a master's degree in journalism where I studied nonfiction. And I actually started out as a journalist. Mm -hmm. um, I wrote all these stories for different newspaper. I did a piece on Amsterdam club kids, but I also went to Spain where we have this community of elderly Dutch people living together, becoming, growing old together. Um, I found that very, very fascinating. And when I wrote those journalism pieces, I always used literary tools. I used flashbacks, writing from the first person, you know, these little tricks to build up tension in the story, stuff like that. Um, and those pieces got noticed by editors. And I was actually approached by two different editors asking if I had literary ambitions. Mm -hmm. And then I said, well, yes. <laughs> and I'm a person that can only focus on one thing at a time. So I just like literally I was 24. I uh, called all the magazine newspapers I was working uh, for back then. And I told them, I'm going to write a novel, you know, I don't know, eat uh, when I think back, but that's how I did it. And it took me six months to write my first novel. Um, that was also about a, a, a young journalist, but who was also a serial killer. And that got published. And then the short story is that I published seven more novels, but there's one other, there's one thing to the story I don't tell everyone, but um, before I got that master's degree in journalism, I did write another novel and I did hand that in at a publishing company and they turned it down. And that's like wow. something I was very ashamed of for a while. And I, I didn't used to tell um, people, but, you know, now that I'm quite proud of everything I've achieved, 
I do get to tell that. So, so I, do, I was did you ever go back to that original novel? Yes. Well, actually, um, there the an editor an, an editor asked for it a while ago, um, and I I went back and looked at it and. I am very happy that it got turned out. I was not ready. I was 22 back then. Sure. Um, I had lived in New York for six months to study cinema studies for a while, and I it was little about it was little about that, but it was so it was so childish, and I was desperately trying to be funny. It was full of jokes, um, which is I guess okay, but it was very immature. And I'm glad that that novel is not out there right now. Right. Well, I'm curious about your writing process when you were working on We Had to Remove This Post. When you sat down and started working on the novel, did you have a sense of the novel in your mind already? Or is it something where you write and it kind of unfolds and you follow the narrative? How does that work for you? No, I'm that kind of writer who makes outlines. So, <laughs> okay. uh, yeah, I make a treatment like you do when you, when you make a movie script. Mm -hmm. I write the whole story down in about four or five pages you know in in the word editor i used a word editor from like 2002 it's very old i'm very old-fashioned that way <laughs> um and i i really need that peace of mind you know to to know where the story is going and sure. i always think and say that you write the way you are wired and what i mean by that is that you write um the way your your character is i am a control freak i'm not ashamed to admit <laughs> i make to-do lists every morning uh, i want to know um what i can expect but i have a friend of mine who's also a writer and um she has a very different approach and when we go on vacation together i'll be like sitting at the breakfast buffet with my little travel guide, you know, planning the whole day. And I'll be saying, I'll be saying to her, let's have lunch at that place. And after that, we'll go to a museum. And she'll say, uh, my writer friend, she'll say, no, let's just walk outside and see what happened. And that is actually also the way she writes. So when she starts a story, she'll just start with a character or an idea or an image she has in her head. And she, it just unfolds. Like she just said, it just unfolds. Um, because she's just a different person. So I don't think there's one right way to write, but you just need to figure out what's your way to write. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Gotcha. And I'm curious, what writing advice would you offer for those who are working on their own stories and novels? So this is going to sound lame, but it's not. <laughs> um, I would just say sit down and write. And what I mean by that is that sometimes I think that aspiring writers are kind of held back by this myth about inspiration. You know, the idea that if you want to be a great artist, you have to um, sit down and wait for this magical moment where you get struck by 
inspiration and you know and, and, and whenever an artist is portrayed in a movie or something like that you know whether mm -hmm. it's a painting a painter or a poet or a writer or whatever you're you'll always see the person just kind of you know for the most part of the movie just kind of walk around not knowing what to do drinking uh, be very self-destructive and then they'll get struck by inspiration and uh, usually at night and we'll have this big montage scene <laughs> where someone is writing like a crazy person for hours uh and or is painting like a crazy person for hours and the next morning they'll be really tired but there's a masterpiece now i think sometimes it will go like that But for me and, you know, most of the writers that I know, we just, first of all, we don't work at night. We just get up every morning, go sit behind our computers. Sometimes we won't feel inspired at all. Sometimes we'll be tired. Or actually, I guess we're always tired because everybody's always tired. Uh, sometimes we'll even be bored. But, you know, we just need to sit down and write. That's, that's what I mean by that. That's great. Well, what novels have you read recently that you enjoyed? Uh, so I always read several novels at the same time. Um, right now, I've just started reading uh, this book by a French writer named Annie Arnaud. So I'm actually pronouncing her French name in English. I, I guess it'll be <laughs> Annie Arnaud. Uh, and this novel is called The Years. It won the International Booker Awards a couple of years ago. And it's about her growing up across several decades, I think. I'm not that far yet. And I'm also very curious about the new Hanya Yanagihara to Paradise. I haven't started yet, but I love to live a life, so I'm excited. And I am reading a memoir called Ask Me About My Uterus by journalist Abby Norman, which is about her struggle with endometriosis, but also a history of women's pain and the way pain has been dealt with by doctors and the medical science in general. So I find that really, really interesting. That's interesting. Well, where can people find you online if they'd like to learn more about you and your novels? Uh, okay, so I have a website. That's my name, Hannah Barefoots. It's probably under the, the episode uh, title, uh, .com. There's an English section on there, but if they really want to follow me, just go on Instagram. That's where I'm usually at. And my Instagram handle is also Hannah Barefoots, Hannah Barefoots at Instagram. That's great. Well, again, we've been speaking with Hannah Barefoots, author of the new novel, We Had to Remove This Post. The book is available now, so go buy a copy. And Hannah, thanks for doing this interview. Well, thanks for having me. It was such an honor. That's great. So what kinds of things did you see? It's crazy how often people still ask me that, even though it's been 16 months since I left Hexa. People just won't stop trying. And if my answer doesn't live up to their expectations, too vague, not shocking enough, they simply repeat the question, putting it slightly differently. But what's the worst thing you ever saw? Gregory, my new colleague at the museum, asks me. So what exactly are we talking about here? That's my Aunt Meredith, who for years I would only see on the anniversary of Mom's death, but who has suddenly gotten into the habit of calling me on the first Sunday of every month to ask how I'm doing. And, oh yeah, what exactly it was that I saw. Why don't you choose one video, one image? or one post that really affected you. And there's Dr. Anna. Tell me what you thought and felt at the time. Go ahead and make it into an image in your head. 
Yes, a mental image of yourself sitting there and seeing that upsetting image. And then she pulls out some sort of rod with a light flashing back and forth inside of it. And now you've joined in too, Mr. Stiddick. You call me almost every day now. Please get in touch when you have a moment, Miss Kaylee. Do you even realize that Kaylee is my first name? You don't, do you? Of course, you got a hold of my details from my former colleagues who don't know my last name, and now you're asking me, so, Ms. Kaylee, what kinds of things did you see? People act like it's a perfectly normal question. But how normal is a question when you're expecting the answer to be gruesome? And it's not like any of those people are asking out of concern for my well-being. Maybe that's not so strange. Maybe questions don't stem from interest in the other person so much as curiosity about the lives we might have led. Gosh, Mr. Stiddick, civil law. What's that like? But with Gregory and Aunt Meredith and even with Dr. Anna, I can't help but suspect a certain amount of lurid fascination, an urge that compels them to ask but that can never be fully satisfied. I saw a live stream of a girl sticking a much too dull pocket knife into her own arm. She really had to jam it in there before a decent amount of blood would come out. I saw a man kicking his German shepherd so hard that the poor animal slammed into the fridge, whimpering. I saw kids daring each other to eat dangerously large amounts of cinnamon in one go. I saw people singing Hitler's praises to their neighbors, colleagues, and vague acquaintances, publicly, unabashedly, out there for potential partners and employers to see. Hitler should have finished what he started, below a picture of a group of immigrants crammed into a small boat. But those are all cop-out examples. You know that, don't you? Those things have all been in the papers, culled from accounts by other former moderators, though that doesn't mean I didn't encounter them, too. The abused dogs, the Nazi salutes, and the girl with the knives is a classic. There are thousands of them, one on every street, or at least that's how I picture it. That house where the bathroom light is still on at night. That's where she's sitting alone on the cold, hard floor. But that's not what people want to hear. They want me to give them something new. Things they'd never dare look at. Things that are far beyond their imagination. Which is why Gregory asks, But what's the worst thing you ever saw? Rather than, How is that girl doing now? Were you able to help her by any chance? God, no. People have no idea what my previous job actually entailed, and that's partly your fault, Mr. Stiddick. After all the news about the lawsuit you're filing on behalf of my former colleagues, people believe that we all sat there in front of our screens like zombies, that we didn't know what we were doing, had no idea what we'd gotten ourselves into, that out of the blue we were bombarded with thousands of sickening images that short-circuited the synapses in our brains almost instantly. Well, it wasn't like that. At least, not entirely, and not for everyone. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. 
Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.